Welcome to the Calvary Chapel South Bay Sermon Podcast. We are a large, multi-ethnic, multi-generational church in Los Angeles, California, and we'd love to have you visit us for a service if you're in the L.A. area. Visit ccsouthbay.org to learn more about us and to find out service times. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at hello at ccsouthbay.org. Enjoy today's sermon, and we hope to see you at church soon. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. We are now with the disciples. They've made it to Jerusalem. Chapter 11 begins Jesus' ministry in the region of Jerusalem itself. And it begins here, as you might expect, we would find Jesus in prayer. And I remind you, I remind myself, that Jesus was a man of prayer. And he gives us here seven priorities in our prayer life in these first 13 verses. Seven priorities of prayer. These are super important because I think sometimes we as the church have wrongly understood what prayer actually is. Prayer is not me getting what I want from God. Prayer is me asking God to do in my life what he wants to do in my life and asking him to give me and give us what he wants to both accomplish and give us while we're here on this earth. God is not a supernatural genie. Uh, You can't just simply ask of him and demand of him and expect that he is going to give you everything you ask for simply because you ask for it. Unfortunately, there are parts of the church that teach that, and it is patently false. It's wrong. And we find that in this model prayer. And so would you join me? We'll pray, and we'll ask the Lord to do what only the Lord can do which is to instruct us from heaven. Father, we have come in the mighty name of Jesus, the name above all names, the only name that is fruitful and effectual for our salvation, for our sanctification, and for our instruction. And so, Lord, we come and we ask you to teach us how to pray. You taught the disciples, teach us. Instruct us on these priorities of prayer, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Verse 1, Luke 11. And now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, would you please underline that? Jesus had a habit of meeting with his father every day in a certain place. Jesus prayed. And Jesus prayed in a certain place. In other words, it was a place that Jesus went to meet with God. Now, I cannot tell you where that is for you. But it is a habit that we need to have. It is a necessity in the life of a child of God that we would actually talk to God. Some Christians try and exist on yesterday's manna. It's like the Lord gave me something yesterday, that's going to be good enough for the next month. If that's you, I pray 
that you'll rethink that as we study these 13 verses this morning. And when he ceased, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so he, that being Jesus, who was in a certain place to meet with Father God, teaches the disciples how to pray. Notice it's not just what to pray. It is not a certain set of things that you need to say in a specific order. It is not a vain repetition of these exact words. It is how to pray. The content of your prayer. What you should be concerned with. What should be the church's priorities in prayer. And when you pray, there's an assumption there. You're going to pray, amen? It doesn't say if you pray. It doesn't say, well, maybe you should think about praying. It says when you pray. This is what Jesus was doing, and he says, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day by day our daily bread. Forgive our sins, for we also forgive everyone who has sinned against us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let me first categorically state to you, Jesus himself was a prayer warrior. Jesus was a prayer warrior. Jesus was not a casual prayer. Jesus didn't wake up in the morning and go, well, you know, maybe I'll talk to God today. Maybe I won't. If something bad happens, then maybe I need to talk to him. If I need something, then I'll talk to him. Jesus was a prayer warrior. He prayed every single day, and he was God. But he prayed This is the sixth of seven occasions that we learn about here in Luke's gospel where we find Jesus in prayer. And it's no strange thing that the next time we'll be in Gethsemane. Jesus was a prayer warrior. And so I ask you, before we start with these seven priorities in prayer, that's found here in this prototypical prayer that Jesus prays, not a repetitious prayer, not a prayer that you're supposed to repeat over and over again. This is not the Our Father of the Catholic Church. This is a model for prayer. It's a template. It's a way for you to understand how to get your prayers answered, how to talk to God in an effective way. Before we get to that, ask yourself the question, are you a prayer warrior? Are you seeking what Jesus says we are to seek? It begins with our Father. So let's look at these seven priorities of powerful prayer. Seven Ps. So you can just write in the margin of your Bible, seven Ps. The first one, and you can see it very easily, is when we pray, we need to be occupied with the perfect person. Who is that? 
There's only one, and it's God. Amen? In this case, God the Father. We're to be occupied in our prayer life with the perfect person. Not the world, not politics, not our problems, with the perfect person. Our prayers go to the perfect person. They're not us trying to affect our will. They're us listening in and talking to God about him, who he is, what he wants. Prayer is at its core a God-centered activity. It's not a man-centered activity. Too many of us, I myself have fallen into this trap of praying man-centric. In other words, it's like, God, I need. God, I want. God, this is what's happening in my life. God, 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 you need to look at me because I've got conditions here. We're supposed to be looking first at God and saying, Father, you're smarter than I am. You're stronger than I am. You are above my ways. You alone have the answers to these things. Whatever it is, Father, that you want, that's what I want. It is the perfect person that we pray to. The second P. Notice how we're to occupy ourselves with the place the Father is. This praiseworthy place that we should be attending to. He is the perfect person to ask. And he's sitting in the perfect praiseworthy place. Our Father, where is he? In heaven. Amen? He is extricated from our situations. God is not here on earth. He's not affected by the spin cycle of politics. He's not affected by COVID-19. God is not affected by the world's geopolitical condition. God is not affected by our economy. God is not affected by anything here on earth. In fact, God is in heaven. We have to pray to the right place. You see, if we're not praying to the right person, and we're not praying to the right place, if our eyes are fixed on this earth and our own selves, if that's where we're focused, then our prayers are going to be misguided. And so it begins with this perfect person and perfect praiseworthy place. Notice the third P. It's found in hallowed be your name. This incredibly powerful purity. God is not affected by us. He's never less than perfect. He's never less than worthy of our prayers. He is the only one to whom we should be able to look because he himself is absolutely pure. That's why Jesus said, hallowed be his name, not hallowed be your name, Jeff. Not hallowed be the country that you live in. Not hallowed be the things that you have. Not hallowed be anything. Hallowed be, Father, your name because you're in heaven. We're here on earth. Hallowed be your name, Lord. He has powerful purity that we need in our lives. Amen? God doesn't have ill-motivated things. Anybody here have ill-motivated things? My hand's up. Okay, maybe the rest of you don't have any ill-motivated things. I have ill-motivated things at times. I was praying last night for a comeback for the Dodgers. It was ill-motivated. It didn't happen. God did not answer my prayer. 
Because he doesn't really, I don't think he really is all that concerned with who wins a baseball game. You, you see, there's a level of purity and holiness that God has that I need to seek. I need to seek his powerful purity in my life. A fourth thing. This is going to shock you. You're not the center of the universe. It's not you that matters. You, you see, sometimes we pray very selfishly, don't we? Notice the predetermined purposes of this powerful, pure God who is perfect in his person. Your kingdom come. Notice my name's not there, and neither is yours. Jeff, your kingdom come. Calvary Chapel, South Bay's kingdom come. It says, our Father who is in heaven, who is holy, your kingdom come. Everything you want on this earth, Lord. And notice it's further described by your will be done as in heaven, so shall it be done on earth. God has perfect purposes for your life. God has perfect purposes for this world. God has perfect purposes in your prayer. God has perfect purposes and a perfect will for everyone and everything at all times. Do you get it? Church, this is so important as a priority in prayer because if you're not praying for his will and you're just praying for your will, you may be missing the mark. Now, sometimes we have to admit that we don't know specifically every single thing that God wants us to pray for, but if my heart's desire is, God, first, your will be done, God, first, your kingdom come, then it affects what I even think about. It affects the totality of my prayer life. You see, I am always to be about God's purposes here on this earth. Jesus came and offered the kingdom to Israel, and they didn't want it. Why? Because their pride, their prejudice, and their own personal power got in the way. They were not concerned with God's will. They were concerned with keeping control of their own little world. They, they were concerned with what was going on in Judaism. And while that's not inherently wrong... If your will supplants God's will, then you have the wrong will. Do you understand? If your will supplants God's will, then you have the wrong will. It's his will we look for. It's his word, his works, his way. You see, part of the problem that we have in our prayer life is we're constantly trying to tell God what he should do. God, this is my situation. Here's what you need to do to fix it. Here's the things that are going on in my life, and this is what I want. We need to be concerned and occupied with what God wants. And when I do, here's the, here's the wonderful thing that happens. It's the shortcut to God answering that prayer quickly. Because when your will is God's will, God says yes and amen. You understand? 
When your will and God's will match up, what do you think God's going to say? You got it, Jeff. Because that's what I want. Where the problem comes is when my will doesn't match God's will, I'm not looking for his kingdom to come. I'm looking for my little kingdom to be built up, and I want him to bless my mess, so to speak. Then what happens is God says, I can't really answer that affirmatively right now. You don't quite have my will in line there, Jeff. The fifth thing. We're to be occupied with his plentiful provision. It's perfect for you. And I want you to see something that none of you are going to like. I don't actually like it myself. It's daily provision. Amen? Notice it doesn't say full bank account. Notice it doesn't say mortgage paid off tomorrow. Notice it doesn't say that you're never going to have problems. It says, rather, Father, give us this day our singular day's worth of daily bread. What I need for today. That is exactly why Jesus said, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough for itself. Don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Because your Father in heaven knows what you have need of. Do you see how it ties back into his will and his way? Because he knows what you need, when you align your prayer life with what God wants, then you get what you need. But if your prayer life focus is on your wants instead of your needs, then sometimes God's going to say, you know, I don't want that for you, Jeff. That's not what I have for you. Maybe that new job that you think you're supposed to have is going to destroy your life, and God knows it. It may pay three times what you're currently making. It might look like it's the answer to all of your temporal problems here on, earth, on this earth, and God's saying, that's not for you. Maybe that house that you want Maybe that thing that you most desire on this earth is actually a source of covetousness in your life. And God's saying, that's not my will, Jeff. That's your will. I want to give you the plentiful provision you need for today. Current needs. Not vast wealth. Not vast cash reserves. Now, God may well give you those things. He's a good God. Amen? And he does give good gifts to his children. But don't ever fall into the trap of thinking because you have something, because you have riches, because you have material blessings, that that is necessarily a thing that is is purely good. It can actually be evil in some people's lives. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That money can become your God. That house can become your God. You're, you're, some people worship their iron gods out there in the parking lot. I went over, I was stunned. I went over the car wash on, on Hawthorne. I'm $275 for a full detail. Well, I think I can do that myself. Thank you very much. My little God's not worth that. I like my truck, but... Notice the sixth thing. 
Please see this one. Because if you're here today and you know the Lord, you love the Lord, this is a pronouncement of your perfect pardon that gives you access to heaven. The only reason you can even talk to God is because you have been perfectly pardoned. Forgive us our sins. The only reason that you get to talk to God is because of Christ the Son. That's the only reason. People sometimes mistake, and I I listen to people all the time. Well, I pray all the time. Do you know Jesus? No, I don't. I don't think that's necessary. Then your prayers are going unanswered. The only prayer that God actually acts on are the prayers of his kids. He hears all of them. But he answers the prayers of his kids, his forgiven ones. That's who God is attentive to. And the reason God is attentive is because we have been forgiven. You cannot go into the presence of a holy God if you are taking sin with you. So your prayer has to be forgiven. It's not an option. I listen to people constantly tell me how they've got this great prayer life and they're a Buddhist. The God in heaven that I worship, we worship, says that he's attentive to the prayers of his kids. He can't unhear anything. He's God. But he answers the prayers of his kids. Those prayers are effective. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that sins against us. You have access to God the Father through Christ the Son. You do not have access to God the Father any other way. The only prayer that God hears for someone who doesn't know him is, Father, forgive me. Father, I'm sorry for my sin. God immediately acts on that. But until you make that prayer, your your prayers are air. Without knowing Christ the Son, you do not have an advocate with God the Father. People are going, oh, you you mean all these prayers? Yes, that's exactly what Scripture says. God hears the prayers of his kids. He acts on the prayers of his kids. He answers the prayers of his kids. He answers the forgiven ones. That's who God is attentive to. Doesn't mean that he isn't providentially good to all. He is. It doesn't mean that he can't do good to those who ask. He does. But we're talking about the effectual prayer of a person. That prayer is the prayer of one of God's own kids who have been forgiven their sin. Don't miss that part. Look, the bottom line is we preach unconditional salvation. We we preach the gospel of the grace of God. We preach that salvation is full and free. That's absolutely true. But the kingdom is the kingdom of God's own son. The will of God belongs to the child of God. You, You can't accomplish the will of God without being a child of God. we have to remember that that permanent pardon must be asked for. 
That's why your unforgiveness, if you want to see this in technicolor, read Matthew chapter 18. Look at what it says at the end of that chapter. If you do not forgive your brother who sins against you, then neither will your Father in heaven forgive you, but rather he will turn you over to the torturers. It's very clear that a child of God who's been forgiven by God must also be a forgiver. It's a sign that you want God to actually hear your prayer. And by the way, this, this principle, which is so important to us, is found in the very first three verses of Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. In other words, your sin has separated you from God. And it goes on to say, and you have had his face hidden from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, and your tongue have muttered perversity. Why would Isaiah say that? Because God removes that barrier the moment you say yes to Jesus Christ. Forgiveness is the answer to that. Don't miss that. It comes through the cross, which we will celebrate shortly. It comes from that statement of Jesus, the final thing he says on the cross, it is finished. What's finished? The bridge has been made between heaven and earth. You you can now have a personal relationship with the only one who can answer your prayer, and that is why the seventh P is so important. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. People often externalize this and forget to internalize this. Can I tell you that a vast majority of the evil that you will ever deal with comes from inside of you? It's you. Your sin nature. That's why we need to be delivered from that. The only way that happens is a relationship with Jesus Christ, the empowering of the Holy Spirit in your life, in my life. It's active harm. And so Jesus is going to go on and he's going to illustrate this in the rest of these verses. And for sake of time, let's read them together because it's a very simple illustration. He says these priorities in prayer, let's illustrate them. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend? And the reason there's a question there, it's rhetorical. Nobody wants a friend like this, amen? Shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer and say, get out of here. Don't trouble me. The door's now shut. My children are in bed with me. I cannot rise to give it to you. I say to you that though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of this persistence, he will rise and give to him as many as he needs. And so I say to you, notice how Jesus answers this. Ask. The child of God has the privilege of going and asking. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. For if a son asks for bread from any father among you. In other words, you guys are all dads. 
You're all moms. You understand this principle. This is unthinkable, in other words. For many father among you, will he give him a stone? You ask for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? You ask for an egg, will he give him a scorpion? But if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And of course, the first application of this is your salvation experience by asking for God to forgive your sin. That's where it begins. When I knock on heaven's door with that first petition, when I say, God, I recognize that you're the Father in heaven. I I recognize that you are holy. I recognize your will, not my will be done. I recognize that I need you to give me my daily bread. I recognize these seven things that I'm saying, God, only you can answer this petition. This isn't me just throwing out some suggestion to somebody. This is me talking to the creator of heaven and earth, my very life and yours as well, and saying, please, Lord, be attentive to the cry of your children. And so then it becomes an issue of not just if God will answer, because he will, but when. Notice what it says. If you ask, you'll answer. If you seek, you'll find. If you knock, it'll be opened. So it's a if proposition for those who don't know the Lord. It's a when proposition for those of us who do know the Lord. It's God, when will you answer? What will you say? But, but I want your will, Lord, not mine. I want daily bread, not, not enough to make me dependent on the things that I possess. You see, God loves for us to talk to him when we're his kids. He wants everyone to talk to him. But that door is open the moment you say yes to Jesus. That door is open. You become literally one of his children. There's a big difference. Let me prove this to you. In your household, if you have children, I realize some of you may not yet, but perhaps you can remember when you were a child. In our household, we have two sons. Our two sons are privileged to have anything and everything inside of our house. Now, while we tried to be generous to those who would come over that were our kids' friends, that's not the same as our sons. Amen? Everything in our life will be left to our sons. Everything is freely given to our sons. Everything is not freely given to our kids' friends, to people who know about our sons. Just our sons get that privilege. And in a much greater way, the same is true with Father God. His inheritance, his heavenly inheritance, belongs to his kids. It is his kids who get the benefit of the blessings of heaven. Now, others get some of the benefits because they're on this earth and they're with God's kids. 
We call, it that, we call that God's providence. Provideo, it's two words that simply mean to view ahead of time. Because God sees everything, knows everything. He knows what other people need. He hates it when people suffer. He gives good things even to evil people at times. But his kids get everything. All that God wants. All that God desires. God gives to his kids the riches of heaven. One day you're going to step out of time and into eternity as one of God's kids. Amen? And you're going to see this like you've never understood it before. You see, when we think about God answering, it's not that he's just simply going to give meals to the lazy person. It isn't simply that he's going to give homes to the person who refuses. It isn't that he's going to fill up the bank account of someone who never gives. It isn't just these practical things. God gives good gifts to his kids. The things that you need. Not always the things you want, but the things you need, you'll have all of it. Every bit of it. Whatever you have need of. The Bible promises that God's kids have. Now, you may disagree with that assessment. Maybe you're going through a difficult time, and I certainly am one that can say with you, I've gone through many difficult times. My family's gone through difficult times, times of want, times of deep trusting in the Lord. It's like, Lord, if you don't show up, I don't know what's going to happen right now, but we trust you. Can I tell you something? He has never failed me. Ever. 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 But he hasn't always given me what I wanted. He's never failed. Never missed a meal. Never not had a place to stay. Lived in a goat shed. Eating some things I'm not sure were actually edible. <laughs> but he's never failed. Not once. Notice what it says. If you being then evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more do you think the Lord can give good gifts to his kids? Amen? A little paraphrase there. Now I want you to notice what it doesn't say. If you're a guy, it doesn't say you're going to get a beautiful babe. If you're a woman, it doesn't say you're going to get a hunk of a husband. It doesn't say you're going to get a Bentley. It doesn't say you're going to get a mansion. Just good gifts from a good God. Who knows exactly what to give you according to his will. I'm going to have the communion team begin to pass out the elements of communion You see, as I think on this passage, what the Lord is showing me personally in my own life is this. If I pray patiently for these seven Ps, if I'm looking to the perfect person, if I'm looking to that praiseworthy place, if I understand his powerful perfection and purity, if I'm looking to his predetermined purposes, 
If I'm looking for his perfect provision for my life, if I understand that the only way I have access is through that perfect pardon he gave me as a gift, by the way, and if I'm looking to his potent protection in my life, I'm in a good place. I'm in a really good place. That all comes because I know him. I don't have any of those things guaranteed to me if I don't know him. And so as the communion team passes out the elements and you take them, if you would hold them and we'll all partake together, and if you want, go ahead and tear off that top piece and expose the bread initially. As you think on this, let me remind you that these communion elements represent the broken body and the shed blood of our Savior Jesus. And it is only applicable if you know Christ personally. The broken body and the shed blood means nothing to the person who doesn't know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who isn't looking to heaven, who hasn't cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, forgive my sin. That's why Jesus effectively said this is all tied into that perfect forgiveness. I have perfect forgiveness in my life because of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. As you're receiving those elements, think about it for a second. The last thing Jesus said from the cross is this. To telestai, it's a single Greek word. It simply means it's complete. It's finished. It's done. There's nothing else to do. The whole of the plan of salvation has been completed for you. Now, I don't know what that means to you individually and personally. I know what it means to me. That is my bridge to heaven. That's how one day I'm going to hear, well done, enter in to my kingdom of rest, good and faithful servant. It's not going to be because I was a pastor. It's not going to be because I traveled and taught Bible studies and did missionary work, lived in foreign countries. It isn't going to be because of any of that. It's, but it's going to be because Jesus said, it's finished, Jeff. It's done. If you'll believe in me, your sins can be forgiven. Your account can be wiped clean. You can have access to God the Father through prayer. It's the bridge. Jesus didn't say, I am finished. That's what I would have said from the cross. That's what you would have said. I'm done. Jesus said, it is finished. The reign of sin, the reign of death is finished. Forgiveness has come to those who will ask. Grace is available to the person who cries out to the only one who can forgive that sin. It is the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Amen? So notice this in the prayer. Perfect forgiveness is a necessary part to have your prayers answered. You've got to have that part. That's what Jesus did on the cross. 
That's why when we get to Isaiah 53, that Jesus was taken from prison and from judgment and who will declare his generation. He was cut off so you could be set free. He died so you could live. His life was forfeit so yours could be gained. His body was beaten so yours didn't have to be. He died in your place. Church, when I think about being able to talk to God, that's why to me it it is so important that I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in Jesus' name. Because without Jesus' name, I don't get to pray and have it mean anything. Because without that perfect forgiveness, there's no answer coming. God providentially heard it but he gives good gifts to his kids. He talks to his children. Christ intercedes for you. The Holy Spirit is in you making intercession because of what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. And so think on this. The Apostle Paul, and I believe the Apostle Paul, if anyone in the whole of of the Bible who authored any of the the works humanly, if anyone could have looked back on his past and said, I am completely undeserving, it was the Apostle Paul. I think Paul could have looked at his life and said, man, I think that's why he actually prayed for his fellow Jewish people. I, I would be cut off myself if you would just save them, God. Why? Because he knew exactly how wretched he was. He looked back at his past and said, without Christ, this is is my end. And it speaks to our present. None of us is perfect. There's none of us that are righteous. Not one of us. Amen? But it's Christ's blood that makes us righteous before a holy God. That's why God can now hear our prayers. The, The pathway is open. It's not that his ears are deaf. My sin had hidden. My, my prayer life was hindered until I met Jesus. Until I said yes to his offer of grace. And most importantly, it points to our future. Anybody excited about that future? There's no masks in heaven. Amen? There, there, there's no lockdown in heaven. There's no suffering in heaven. There's no crying in heaven. There's no pain in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven. There's no poverty in heaven. There's no homelessness in heaven. Everyone's got a mansion in heaven. It looks to our future. That's why we call him Father who's in heaven. That's why Jesus said, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. That's why these things that we've prayed for are so important. It's like, Lord, it's your life that's made mine heaven worthy. 
For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, Paul said there in 1 Corinthians 11. For the Lord on that same night in which he was betrayed took the bread, and when he had broken it, he said, Take and eat, for this is my body broken for you. Let's partake of the bread together. Open up that cup. And in the same manner, after cup, after the supper, the cup of redemption, the cup that cries out, I'm free, the cup that says the price is paid, the cup that opens the door to heaven. Because it's only the redeemed ones that get to go to heaven. Amen? It was after supper that he took the cup. And he said, this cup. Imagine Jesus holding that cup. This cup is the new covenant. Why would he say that? Because the guys that were with him were primarily Jewish. And there was an old covenant. And that old covenant was the blood of bulls and goats. And from year to year, it just went from day of atonement to day of atonement without completion. There was always another day of atonement. So when Jesus cried out from the cross to tell us, it is finished, the reason being is it's a new covenant. It's not like the old covenant. It's the final covenant, the covenant in his blood. And as often as you drink of it, do so in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you show the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. that you would even hear the prayers of your children. Lord, you're a holy God. You're a just God. You're a mighty God. You're a sovereign God. You're the king of heaven and earth. And you incline your ear to your children's cries. And Lord, we thank you that we have access to heaven because of what you, Jesus, did on Calvary's cross. Your body was broken so that mine does not have to be broken. Your blood was shed to pay the price for my sin because all of my blood wouldn't be sufficient to pay that price. But one drop of yours is sufficient for anyone. And so, Lord, we thank you for the grace that saved us. We thank you for the grace that keeps us. We thank you for the grace that will one day get us to heaven. Lord, we thank you For your broken body and your shed blood, we do remember you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray these things and all of God's people said together, amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.